Hi, it's me, Sam. I wanted to jump in before this next episode to give you a little backstory and prep you for the conversation. Now, I try and fill each episode with strategies and tactics to help you grow your business and feel more in control as the owner. But before any of that can work for you, you've got to know it's possible to see the kind of success you want for yourself. I pride myself as one of those few coaches in the wedding industry who's a full-time educator. I'm not selling or servicing clients or leading a wedding operation anymore. I did that for over a decade. Today, I've made helping wedding pros like you my one and only job. It's fun to share my own experiences with you. The podcast has been a great platform for me to highlight lessons through storytelling instead of training. I love it. But I don't like sharing just my success stories with you. I'd like to give you more insights into the wins that my clients get as well. But rather than me blather on about their wins, I thought it'd be more interesting for you to hear directly from them and what it was like to get from where they were to where they wanted to be. I've long said that the three most difficult words to say as a business owner are, I don't know. And if that's true, the next three most difficult words are, I need help. Every one of my coaching clients and our company's copywriting clients have said just that. And every one of them is glad that they did because their businesses are more successful for it. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Last week, we heard from Mike Zawadzki, a photographer from New Jersey, on how he went from mid-market to premium in a short period of time and made hundreds of thousands of dollars along the way, all during the pandemic. Now, today, I want to introduce you to Julian Lever, a wedding planner of Dallas, Texas, who designs incredible experiences for his clients worldwide. First of all, Julian is a dear friend. We met back in 2015 when I was a director of operations for Todd Events. He was the regional director of sales for Rosewood Properties in Dallas, and I set out to schmooze him and try and get more referrals for our design and production company. He had two of the biggest luxury venues under his oversight, and they were both super easy to install at, which meant that they were incredibly profitable for our company. Ironically, when Katie was selling for Four Seasons in Dallas, Julian was her biggest competitor. Not only because he had two properties in her comp set, but because he was so damn good at selling them. But after connecting a few times and working side by side on the Birthday Party Project's annual fundraising committee, Julian and I struck up a genuine friendship. In 2017, he and I started working together on his etiquette company, The Dapper Diplomat, and his planning company, Julian Lever Events. We became so close over the years that when Katie and I got married with our kids and just my best friend on the Oregon coast in 2018, we asked Julian to do the honors and lead the ceremony. I brought Julian onto the podcast for a few reasons. Number one, he's 100% in a luxury market. While I help wedding pros in all fields, all markets, all levels of success reach their goals, I often get asked, will this work for my luxury clients? The answer is yes. Over the past half decade, I've helped nearly 20 of the world's top planners, photographers, videographers, and floor designers elevate their sales skills. I did the same thing for the director of sales at Todd Events, one of the most sought-after luxury planners and designers in the country. The sales strategies and tactics that I use are designed around the psychology of how human beings make decisions. The content you share during the buying experience may change depending on the motivations for your ideal client or that particular buyer, but the sales structure is all built on the same thinking systems and psychological biases, no matter how much money they have in their bank accounts. Now, Julian already had a strong sales background. Remember, he was a regional director for luxury properties, one of the biggest markets in the country, He had formal sales training for Rosewood. He's trained as a protocol and etiquette expert, and he's naturally gifted at making others feel comfortable and open with him. But as you'll see, four areas needed focus. Messaging on the website and in the sales process. Selling the different buyer types, especially parents of the couple. Guiding the discovery call to increase desire for his services. And most importantly, crafting custom proposals that sell themselves to all the decision makers, not just the one he talked to on the discovery call. Like I shared last week when I talked with Mike Zawadzki, 
I'm super proud of Julian for not resting on his 15 plus years of professional sales experience or being one of the most well-connected planners in one of the biggest markets. He would have done just fine if he kept going the way he was tracking. But Julian wanted more. And not just more money, which is always nice, but more confidence in his own skills and the process he was leading his clients. And ultimately, he wanted to show his clients how much he cared about them before they bought his services, not just after. These are the kinds of tactics I talk about on this podcast. I hope you get inspiration from Julian and gain even more confidence as you set out to own your business, just as he has. Julian Lieber, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am super appreciative. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you and I know each other pretty well. I mean, you officiated our wedding after all. Would you share a little bit of background and your story in the wedding industry? I did get to officiate your wedding, which was quite a special experience. Not many times when I get to put on that wedding officiant hat. You know, I have that always in my back pocket in case the uh, minister doesn't show. But uh, there's only a few times I've had to actually use it. At least yours was planned. So that's really positive. You did a bang up job. Thank you, my friend. You know, you got to put in a little work, right? Like you got to take the time. Just like wedding planning, right? So for those of you who uh, I haven't met yet, my name is obviously Julian Lieber. And I own a company called Julian Lever Events, and we're based out of Dallas, Texas. We do events both in Texas and all across the country and all across the world. I've been doing events now for, oh, Lordy, 17 years. That's a long time. It didn't start out as my career. You know, I actually have a degree in international studies and history and negotiation. I thought I was going to go and actually work for the State Department or the Queen, but that didn't pan out. But I do feel like I use all of those skills every single day in event planning. And I have kind of a, a long history in a lot of different facets of the wedding world and the event world, really. I worked in corporate events. I've worked for florists. I've worked for decor companies. And most recently, right before this role, I worked in ultra-luxury hotels. I was the area director of catering sales for Rosewood Hotels and Resorts. I had a team of 32. Now I have a team of two. So it's a, it's a drastic difference. But I, I really do love being on this side. And I started Julian Lever Events um, a little over five years ago. We've made it through the pandemic and we're with you, friends. We know that all of you listening have had a very hard year, and 2021 was um, was trying, to say the least. And so that's kind of how I've gotten to, to this spot. And so, yeah, it's a little over five years, which is crazy. The pandemic's been rough for you, as it has for all wedding planners, specifically because you've had to plan three, four, five different events for the same client over the last couple of years. And while it's been stressful and hard, You've also had some pretty good success over the last couple of years as well. Is that right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, it has. It has been hard for sure. And we've planned like every iteration of every possible combination that you can think of. We're almost done with all those postponements. Actually, we only have one left. What was interesting about that is that in 2020, obviously, like everything just like came to a grinding halt. And what we started doing was just moving events. So like when you move events, it's like, a finite process. So once it's done, then it's like, okay, what are you supposed to be doing from there, right? Because we're not actively planning events. And for a while there, it was unclear if we would even plan events at all in 2020. I really decided to take a good hard look at my process and really refine it and dig into all of the aspects of my business that needed some tweaks, you know? And because up until then, 2019 had really been my biggest year. We had been doing stuff all over. Mostly it had become destination. So I was on a plane all the time. There was no time to really stop and think and listen and and examine what was working and what wasn't. And so I feel like 2020 really gave me that opportunity to sit down and revise my proposal and revise my my process to make it better for the clients and for us and and really work well. And so that really did pay off in 2021. 
And then in 2021, because I'm a crazy person, I decided that I would just like rebrand my whole business and do a whole new website and like a whole new logo and press kit and all the things and uh, and really just level up one more time in the midst of like the most insane wedding season slash year of doing this for 17 years. But I made it through. I'm still here. I'm still alive. We're still in business. I need to like take a vacation. But otherwise, it's been a wild ride. It has been a fun one to see. You know, you and I chat pretty regularly. You share a lot of successes with me, and I know you've had a ton of them. What are some of the things that you've seen grow in your business, especially over the last couple yeah. of years as you've worked on it? And when you, know, when you had the time in 2020 and even in early 2021, what were some of the areas that, that you really focused on and why? One of the big places where we did a lot of focusing was on the sales process and kind of like this idea of the proposal and and how it works against our competitors and really helping us stand out and really communicate the message of what it is that we do. And I love it because Sam is always about numbers. He's like, let's look at the analytics and like, how does it measure against one another? And I think that that's really the place that... That makes the biggest difference. These tweaks in my website that we made in 2020 into 2021. And the biggest driver there is about how many inquiries we received. And really up till 2019, and really even including in 2020, the highest number of inquiries I had received in my business was 33. Like for the whole year, in one year. year. In 2021, (laughs) We're sitting a little over 115 inquiries. During the pandemic. And that's during the pandemic in like one of the worst years. Yeah, 100%. And and that's wild. And that is directly in relation to the work that I did on my website with my copy. And then I think ultimately also making the decision to change my website and, and update my brand so that it refined kind of the shell of the way that it looked. In all honesty, I didn't really change copy this last go round because my copy works. Like my copy works because we took the time to find out who our client was in really in 2019 and the beginning of 2020, and then build a huge shell that encompasses the pretty outer facade of what it is that Julian Lever Events does, encapsulating the inner part that we had already figured out that we knew resonated with clients. And that combination has just been unbelievable. And we have not written so many proposals ever. (laughs) You know, Katie and I were talking about how long ago it was. It feels now that we did your copy. You were actually our second copywriting client. This is way back in the the fall winter of, of 2019. And you're right. We did a super deep dive. When we went in and thought about how are we going to create great copy, we wanted to start with your ideal client and really get to know who she was. I love that you've seen success with it on the website, and it's helped to filter out people who aren't maybe a good fit and really attract and let through the people who are. And they're coming in droves right now, it sounds like. They really are. They're just coming. And and then what's been interesting about that is like doing that work on the copy has really, really helped drive the rest of our whole marketing strategy in terms of social and really using this problem, agitate, solve formula to showcase not only the pretty of weddings. If you know me, you know exactly where you stand with me. Like I don't mince words. It is just what it is. And I have loved finding my own voice in my copy and in my social of being able to be just honest. Like, yeah, at this wedding, the floors got stuck in the elevator and then the power went out and then like X and X and X and like every single one of those problems. Like a lot of the time we don't showcase those to our clients because it's not the pretty thing to showcase, you know, but it's the truth. And I think that Part of doing this job is about communicating effectively to your clients what you're going to do for them. And a checklist is not 
100% going to be able to show them what you're going to do. You need to be able to show the value. And the copy has really allowed us to show the value and through all of the other avenues that people come to find us. Because you're not charging just a little bit of money. You are in luxury, ultra luxury weddings right now. You've really got to figure out a way to build that value. And it can't yeah. just be a list of things that you do. You really have to focus on why it matters to the client. So the website's doing that. What are some of the things that you started doing with your sales process? How did you modify that to work with the ideal client and make sure that you were really triggering their big desires to help build that value? Probably the beginning of last year, I really started doing the sales process in kind of a different way with the follow-up and pre-scheduling the follow-up call and then going through the follow-up call and like really walking through the process as you kind of have taught it to me. And that has drastically changed our closing rate. And it really has helped us find out who is our client and who isn't. Because I think also before doing that, we were not listening as as well as we could have to what they were saying. The client is telling you everything. They are telling you exactly who they are. So are you comfortable with what they're telling you? And is that your client? I think ultimately, it's just been a little bit more deliberate about, is this my client? And do they fit kind of the tenets of what we're trying to do, regardless of whether they can afford us or they can't? Because you're getting people on the phone and you're working with people who are, they have money, they're affluent. It's not really a yeah. question of can they afford your services? You're really trying to figure out, is it going to be a good fit for me and my brand and my aesthetic? Oh, 100%. And we still definitely get the aspirational client, right? Who's calling just to just to see, you know? And you got to treat those people just the same as you would treat anyone. It's been very interesting what people care about and being able to listen to them and being able to connect with them. And then even like there's a difference too because in 2020, really I was on my own and kind of midway through the year, I hired my first full-time employee. And then really it hasn't been until 2021 that we started taking sales calls together. And that has been a serious game changer for me to have just another perspective who asks and thinks about things in maybe a little bit of a different way than me. And so there's like this kind of banter with the client and they have this team atmosphere vibe already. And then they kind of fall in love with that vibe. And then we present them exactly what it is the solution that they need, you know, if we can. And some of those, it's not right, you know, and some of those, I, I will say also another interesting thing this year has been this idea of you put it out there and then they take it and then they're like, eh, maybe I'm going to go this other way. And then we've had three or four clients who have come back and said, hey, I, I kind of think I made a mistake. Like, can we revisit? Because I do think you actually are the right one. And like, I was about to sign this other contract, but really let's have a conversation. And that's been different, you know? And that has been directly because of the sales process and taking the time, I think, to listen to people and then provide solutions that actually work for them. And a lot of that is in the proposal because people they go back to the proposal again and again and again and again. You know, they open it that first time and they're like, oh, here's what it costs. And then they forward it on to somebody else and that person reads some other part of it. And we have dads quote us back parts of our proposal all the time. And they're like, oh, well, we love that you love a little chaos, right? He's like, my whole life is a little chaos. And he's like, so if you can bring some order to that for me, then you're hired. So it's been interesting. I'm just thankful that we took the time in 2020 when it was a little quieter to do the work because I will also say like kind of across the board, there's like the people who did the work and made sure that everybody knew that they were not closed. And then there are the people who just kind of took off in the pandemic and they're seeing those results now too. Yeah, you didn't stop. You were continuing to work on the business recognizing what it was that was going to be most important for your success in the future. And I, I think it's interesting that you bring up like they don't want another checklist. I mean, you're working at the highest levels, Julian, the people who you are 
in the ring with, you know, the hat in the ring. You are one of many people in Dallas who has a beautiful portfolio, excellent connections, and a great charismatic personality. But what you recognized was that you needed to do more to connect with your ideal client and also differentiate yourself from everybody else who was trying to do the same thing. Beautiful design, great connections, sparkly personality. And instead, and you use some of these words, I try and figure out what their biggest problem is. I try and offer a solution. I make sure that everybody has all the information that they need. I follow up. Those are things that you have baked into your sales process that continue to work almost as if they're on autopilot, just subtly triggering another yes to get to that next stage. I think that that's a huge part of why you're different than other people. Would you agree that your sales process feels a little bit different to a couple who's inquiring or their their whole family who's inquiring? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's it's just about... You know, it's it's funny. It's an interesting combination of all of the different jobs that I've had, right? Like there's this culmination of of all these pieces of information in sales that I've gleaned. And then really working with you on the last little bit was about like taking all of those pieces and putting them together. Because I knew in hotel sales that like if you're first, you're going to win. Right. So like you have to be first, always, always, always. It doesn't matter if they're calling you, if they're emailing you, you should drop everything and you should respond immediately. And so that was like baked in there. But then taking that then to this next level of I'm going to be first and then I'm going to give you all of this information that really is super relevant to you. And it is going to be so clear and concise that you literally cannot say no. And then I'm going to get you back on the phone and like charm you again, you know, and 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 reiterate to you why this is a good decision, because you're not getting that from anyone else. It works. I mean, it it works. I can solidly say it has been unbelievable. I mean, and the growth over the years has been has been good, right? It's been steady. It's been good. But this year's growth is like like a rocket ship. Like I'm strapped in. haven't had a, like a deep breath in a very long time, it feels like. But it's been really cool to see it and to actually get to help so many cool people, you know? That's the best part about this job is you get to meet so many amazing people and be with them on this special day. And despite all the whack stuff that has gone on this year, like which has been a complete and total disaster, like nothing has actually gone super wrong because we were able to solve all of it. A whole nother episode of like just the insanity of what this year has been, but it has, it's made a huge difference to take all of those little pieces and put them together in one process. And it's, it's made a huge difference in the kind of the conversion that we're seeing. You know, that's one of the things that I like about you, Julian, is that you've got this strong background already in sales. You were a regional director of sales for a five-star property. You had training from sales experts and gurus in the past. And you still recognize that you had so much opportunity. With a little bit of fine tuning on the foundation, you recognize that there were huge opportunities for results and you got them. I'm curious if you had to pinpoint one thing that you thought was the biggest difference that you decided to make in your process or your messaging or one skill that you picked up over the last couple of years, what do you think it would be? Oh, that's a good question. I know you mentioned a- the proposal, mm-hmm. the booking meeting. So pre-scheduling a second phone call before you send out the proposal. Was it one of those two or do you think it might be something else that you've really focused on? I mean, I think it's been the proposal and my proposal has gone through like all these different iterations. And then now that, I mean, it's pretty, y'all. It's beautiful. It's a fucking piece of work. And like taking the time to make it right and make it so personal and really spend the time there has had a massive payoff. I mean, it probably takes us 30 minutes to do a proposal, 
30 to 45, but like we've gotten really good at it and we have a new system. And so it works really nice now. And you're but, selling at super high rates. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you're booking five figures and up for your planning fees. So it makes sense to mm-hmm. spend that much time on time. something. Because 100%. The people, right. Because the people who are who are looking at spending that money, they have that much more value to feel before they give you their credit card. Once you get to that place too, like you're dealing with other major business owners generally, right? Your clients are. My clients, my clients are like business owners, CEOs, all the things. And then they will give you like little tweaks. That honestly has been the coolest process of this year is like when they're like, hey, maybe, maybe you should do it this way. A great, a great example was I was just using this basic conference line and this client of mine who's getting married in Italy next year, he was like, Julian, your whole process is amazing. But like this conference line thing is not fucking working for me. You know, he's like, you need to up your game, bro. And and so it's about always being better. I actually think like that's the mindset, honestly, of this year is like how to be better. And like, really, I know all of you are getting hopefully some value out of this, but like this is actually very therapeutic for me today because I just have needed to take a minute to like realize that this year has been such a success. Just that little thing about, redoing the proposal and making it making it functional for people and being able to provide a lot more information than anybody else does and in a very quick and efficient manner has made all the difference this year. I think that I would agree with you that your proposal is something that absolutely stands out. One of the things that I hear quite a bit, especially in the luxury, even into the ultra luxury market, is nobody reads anymore. And oh, they read. You and I know that because we've looked at the analytics. We know that they read and they mm-hmm. read a lot and they like to reread. I was reading this book on marketing and selling to the affluent. The author says, and I don't know if these are his words or not, wealthy people have libraries and poor people have big TVs. And that was an interesting way to put it. One of the other things that I think that I see quite a bit in the luxury space is that there are different levels of interest that people show when they get a piece of information. In the beginning, they may just look at the pictures and the price and maybe read a couple of testimonials, a couple of headlines in the proposal. But we know that they can afford it. They have millions of dollars to spend. The question is, can you convince them to spend it on your services? And that takes a second, third, fifth, 10th time through the proposal to really feel that. But if there's no information there, if the vendor doesn't provide that kind of information, then there's no opportunity for the buyer to feel the value they need to get their credit card out and slap it down for a five-figure fee. You and I have seen that people go back over and over again, and they spend a lot of time reading and rereading your proposals. They really do. And they dive deep and they forward them on I mean, the person that you're on the phone with is generally not the one making the final decision. And there's all these other elements to it. It has been interesting to watch kind of the analytics on the proposal and and where people go and what they're interested in. And and we just started using this new, newest, newest one. And I'll be interested to go back and see and what people click on and what they use and how to make it easier. And I think it comes back to just being in this place of I'm never done evolving. I need to continue to learn and push and make it better. And Sam earlier, he was like, oh, yeah, you've got like the wedding planning thing down, right? Like now you can just become a better business owner. And I will say like to all of you listening, I hear you. And I know that this year has not been about wedding planning, like being down because it's like a whole new freaking universe out there. We're trying to learn that. And we're also trying to be business owners. And that's been that's been a challenge. But I will say. Having automated a lot of this stuff and really having looked at it when it was quiet has made this year and the difficulty that this year has brought so much easier because I took the time to do it. And then I even pushed to take the time in the middle of all of it to do it again and somehow carve out that space. And I think if that's the one piece of advice I could give you, it's just like you have to start now or else it's never going to get done. 
especially when we have such a highly seasonal industry. It's mm-hmm. like we have to wait twice as long for the changes that we implement to bear fruit. Many people are only working six months out of the year or two smaller seasons like you have in Texas, for instance, where you've got a spring and a fall, but the summer is usually very quiet because it's 9,482 degrees outside and everybody's hiding in air conditioning. Yeah. Or we just move to other parts of the world for those months because everybody wants to flee here. So, Hello, yeah. Aspen and Italy. Yeah, I'll be there next June. You can come visit me. We talked a little bit about some misconceptions. And I love misconceptions because there are so many of them out there. And I think that they they get in the way of people's progress with their business. And one of the things that I've spent a lot of time on in the last half decade of doing this is busting false beliefs or myths that are out there. One of them is that nobody reads anymore. You and I have watched screen recordings of people reading your proposal. And we know from the analytics that they spend a ton of time on your website. One of the other misconceptions, I think, and you said it in passing, and I just want to highlight it. And then I'm going to ask you for a third one. The second one that you mentioned is that you said, normally the person who I'm on the phone with isn't the one actually making the ultimate decision. That's something for everybody to take away from this conversation is that when you're selling at a premium price, you are not selling to one person or even two people. You are selling to a group of people. You have to find a way to get in to that group to sell them, or you have to trust the person that you're on the phone with, who's usually not very good at selling anything to do the sales work for you. That's one of the reasons I think that you and I can both agree that the proposal is so powerful is because it's easily forwarded on to who actually is making the ultimate decision. What's another misconception that you've experienced over the last couple of years as you've really dug into designing a sales process around how people buy or looking at the sales process differently than you did in the previous decade plus when you were selling for venues or floral designers. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, the other big one is that people don't want to get on the phone. People think all the time that like, oh, they're not going to like get on the phone. But honestly, they always want to get on the phone. They want to be able to be heard. And that's, I mean, that's the number one thing that I have learned over all of these years of doing sales is that if you can can just ask someone to get on the phone, like in the first email, then it's great. You've set the expectation, like you haven't traded any information and they're ready. They're willing. They want to, they want to hear, you know, and, and they're excited that someone has responded to them and that, that someone wants to listen to their story. I think a lot of people think that that is not a, that's not an effective way of selling anymore. But I will say it's the thing that makes you stand out the most is that you want to get right on the phone. So it's crucial to do that. It's also good to to preface it with an email, right? Like if they've emailed you, then you email them back. Or if they've called you, you call them back. Like it's just about this whole idea of, of mirroring that we talk about all the time. But I think that's the other third big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot from people who live in big cities like New York or Chicago, people who have clients who are business owners or directors or you know mm-hmm. some other very busy professional or they travel a lot. Oftentimes, those people find a phone call is way more efficient use of their time than sitting down and typing. I, I always tell people, just do the math. You can talk at 200 words a minute, but you can probably only type at 40 or 50 which means that it's four or five times more efficient to talk than it is to type. It's also easier to get stuff done quickly because you aren't, you don't have this latent lag time between correspondence where exchanging a thousand words between two people might take a week or two. Whereas if you just got on the phone, you could do it in 10 minutes and it would be finished and people could move on. You and I, we were talking about boss types and that there are a lot of boss types in the luxury and ultra luxury space. If you've listened to me on my podcast or other people's podcasts, you know that these different buyer types are hugely important to identify. And one of the things that we know about boss types is it is all about the fastest way to get the desirable outcome. And so, yes, a boss type may be busy, 
but a boss type has very little time to screw around with typing back and forth emails and would prefer just to pick up the phone oftentimes and just have a quick call, hear from you exactly what's going on and why they're going to get something good out of it. When they feel that, they're like, okay, great. How do we move forward? How do we take the next step? Because the boss type wants to see action. And so the faster you can get them to that point, the more likely you are to convert them. And I know you're seeing that as you continue to get higher and higher fees for your services. Yeah, 100%. They also, boss types, and really anybody, to be honest, they want to like get on the phone with someone and ideate a little bit. They don't know what they want exactly until they have a chance for you to ask questions and for them to ask questions. And then it kind of coalesces and then it gels. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like we're on the same page. And that can only be done on the phone or in person, obviously, but there's not a lot of in-person meetings anymore. Like it's mostly on the phone because everyone is so busy. They're like, I have 30 minutes. It is allocated to you. Boom, boom, boom. Here are my questions. And then, and then you get into this kind of what are the ways that you can help me? And a lot of the time, they have no idea what it is that they want their events to look like. And they want someone to tell them what that is and throw out all the ideas and talk about all the different iterations it could be in structuring the event in X, Y, and Z way. And in doing that, it's reassuring. And I think it builds that trust that they're looking for to be able to say like, okay, cool. This group of people, they responded to me. They got back to me. They delivered exactly what they said that they would deliver on time to my inbox. And, oh, wait, and now I have a call with them in 20 minutes. So I need to just sit here and I need to read over all the things that they sent me. And then I'm prepared and I'm ready to have the conversation. And so it's about feeding them the pieces of information that they need to be able to to make quick decisions when everyone is out of their minds at work. You know, I mean, I think it's not just the events industry, right? Like we are so sheltered in like, oh, it's only the events world that's like experiencing all this insanity. But literally everyone at work is experiencing this insanity. And so it's, they would like the, as you said, the quickest way to make a good decision and move on. You know, it reminds me of my Olive Garden days, Julian. You know, I worked mm-hmm. there for a few years. Our service manager used to talk about order takers and not to be an order taker. And an order taker in, in restaurants, as you know, is just somebody who's like, hi, my name's Sam. I'll be your server tonight. What can I get you to start to drink? What can I get you to eat for an appetizer? What would you like for dinner? What would you like for dessert? Is there anything else I can get for you? And then they drop the check. Those people typically don't get good tips. The people who get the best tips are the people who guide the experience and create the kind of opportunity for a memory, a positive memory to be formed and imprinted. And in fact, people who get the best tips, they do one simple thing. They repeat the order back to the person who just gave it to them verbatim. There was a very famous study, as a side note, where if you repeated the order back to somebody, you got a 70% bigger tip. Not 17, 70% bigger tip just by repeating the order back to them. This is one of the reasons why we start off custom proposals by repeating back to them what it is that they said that they wanted. We want this for our event. We are concerned about these things. This is what we're hoping for in whatever vendor category you're at. When you reflect back to them exactly what they said, it creates huge value to them. I think what you just described a few minutes ago is what I've seen your biggest growth in this as you've gotten out of the venue and into your own planning services. How do you sell something that doesn't have four walls, a ceiling, and a floor? And how do you sell something that people don't know how to ask the questions about? Because you're dealing with people on the very front end. They oftentimes haven't done any of the wedding planning. That's why they're hiring you. And so they're complete rookies. They're novices at even asking the right questions. And so they typically, couples and their family, will ask the wrong questions. Like, how much does it cost? And order takers end up reflecting back to them the answer to that question when it's not even the right one. 
I know you do this. And I think this is why this is so helpful is that you recognize that they don't know what they don't know, but you don't fault them for it. Instead, you prompt them and nudge them and give them the opportunity. You just clear the path for them to carry on and to feel like it's all their idea when really it was your suggestion that they end up following. And I know that. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's a huge part of your success. Yeah, it's about those questions and like sitting down and figuring out what they are. And it's again, it's about taking time, right? Like how do we carve out this, this time to do that? And it's a little bit at a time, you know, like you do not eat the elephant in one bite, you eat it a bite at a time. That over the years has really helped really understanding what those questions are. And then also just being able to feel more confident in my own ability to know exactly what it is that they want. As you are longer in this business, you do more things. And so you experience more things and you get more expertise in certain areas. And so the longer you're doing that, the more confident that you are. And then you can guide them in the way that you know is right. It is also a little bit about being blunt sometimes with them, you know, and and being really honest. And I think the real honesty has helped in a lot of ways because people really don't have any idea. This business is so opaque. You have no idea what it costs because each thing is so hyper customized that the pricing is very confusing and people have no idea where to start. And so it's just through those little guides and and then also doing the research. I think it's really, really, really important. And one of the things that's been very helpful for us has been, okay, let's look at the last six months of weddings and let's look at what people have spent and let's analyze the hell out of that so that I can confidently tell you, like, if you want a wedding that's of what you're describing, like, this is where you're going to start, you know, and X, Y, and Z and so on and so forth. And so in using the data that's already at our fingertips to then help and enhance the sales process, that really has been a game changer also. Okay, Julian, one more question. And then I want to hear a little bit about where you see your business going in the future. You and I have talked over the last little bit about a pretty immersive sales process. You know, most wedding pros, even in the luxury space, maybe not planners so much, but but most wedding pros, even in the luxury space, are getting an inquiry, sending out a pricing guide, hoping to hear back, maybe answering some questions by email, and then wondering why they got ghosted. That's a pretty common sequence of events. And so my question to you is, in doing it differently, in getting the inquiry, responding to try and get them on the phone, having a phone call, creating a custom proposal, and hopefully getting the chance to have a second phone call to close the deal. How much time altogether from receiving an inquiry to collecting the deposit in the contract do you think you spend using the approach that you and I have tailored for your event business over the last couple of years? I mean, probably around five hours. Five hours altogether. Yeah, like five to six. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And do you think that it's that way for a planner or do you think it's that way for luxury or do you think it's that way for a luxury planner? That's a good question, actually. I mean, honestly, that should be how much time it takes everyone in luxury. If you're trying to charge a certain level, then you need to take the time to do it the right way. And I think it's super important to take the time to answer all the questions. And sometimes that takes a lot of time, you know, to make people feel comfortable and to really understand who they who they are. And if you, they're a right fit for you and you're a right fit for them, not only monetarily, but also personality wise, the majority of service providers should be spending that amount of time. Maybe it's a little different on like the venue side, of things. But I mean, still a venue, three to four good solid hours to close a decent sized piece of business is not an unreasonable amount of time, I don't think. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because we we think about that as a long period of time, but then we go through and imagine 
how long do we spend trying to market to try and get more leads mm-hmm. because we aren't converting at a high rate or or have to book more events and fill our calendar with more work because we aren't able to charge as much. And when you go through and you think about that little bit of extra time that you spend, yeah, on the sales process, that could be a lot, but it prevents a lot of other time being spent in marketing and additional sales work because you have to get more inquiries because your conversion rate is lower. And also spending could be dozens of hours, hundreds of hours if you're a planner working on the wrong kind of client, not enjoying the experience. So putting more time in up front can save you time before leads get in or with bad clients. Taking that information in, in the time period of like, let's say you're spending six hours, like in those six hours, you will have the time to kind of analyze it and make a decision. And then you can look at all the red flags and the black flags and see which one is the right one, you know? And sometimes, let's be really honest, sometimes you need the deposit. So you run past the red flags, but at least, you know, on the backside, this is what you've gotten yourself into, you know? That's okay. So true. Julian, tell me, final question. What's next for you? Knowing that you've had such great success over the last couple of years, we're coming out of the pandemic. You've got a crazy busy 2022 happening. What are you going to be focused on with your business in the next six, 12 months? What's a high priority for you right now? (laughs) That's a loaded question, Sam. Thank you. (laughs) It is about taking the time to look at where I'm going because I feel like I've been on this rocket ship that just kind of took off. And I was like, I kind of like cobbled together the seatbelt, you know, and taking some time that I really need to dive back into to what it is with my business and and understand kind of the financials of it all and be a better steward and and educate myself in that area of my business a little bit better so that the next little bit of growth can be managed a little bit better. That would be the goal. But I also know that uh, there is a lot of pent up demand at the moment. (laughs) And so uh, the inquiries, they come rolling in and then all of a sudden your time is uh, your time is taken. So I think it's about being intentional with my time. You know, one of my favorite sayings that I learned when I was studying Latin a couple of decades ago was, the equivalent of be careful what you pray for the gods might be listening. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that sounds like that you're struggling with is you've had so much success that you now have to figure out a way to unbury yourself from the huge client roster that you have and to be more intentional with who you pick to be your client at the extremely high rates that you're charging so that you don't become overwhelmed or burdened with too much work because things are working so well on the sales side. It is. It's about how to like figure out the balance between like the engine of growth and the ability to do the work. And that's a good problem to have. Not complaining about that problem at all. (laughs) Julian, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. I know how valuable it is. Speaking of being overwhelmed with lots of work to do. So thank you for the time. I appreciate that. Any final words before we sign off? You know, thank you so much for having me. And I just think really it's about being in the mindset of learning, even though we've all had great years, like there's a lot to be learned from what we've just gone through. And if there ever was a time to be intentional and a little introspective, this is it. So I would say carve out the time for yourselves. That also is the pot calling the kettle black. Sometimes I just need to hear it and say it out loud for myself. And then we can all do it together. Thank you, Julian. Okay, quick announcement for you, dear listener. I'm wrapping up content on my new Level Up training program. We're releasing it on January 17th through the 20th, just four days, and to the first 25 people who sign up. Now, the perfect person for this program, someone who's already filling their calendar, but wants to focus on raising rates and working with better clients. I'll be doing a mix of group training sessions, one-on-one coaching, And we're going to offer copywriting services. We're going to use innovative techniques not taught by others in the wedding industry. Basically, everything I've learned about the psychology of selling and then honed in the field over the past 15 years. 
Now, we're gonna be covering how you can apply these general principles directly to your business. And we're also providing done-for-you tools to help convert couples at key steps in the buyer's journey. This is not a mastermind. This is an immersive learning experience combined with persuasive copywriting collateral and comprehensive audits on your sales process. Quick backstory on why I created this program for you. In January and February of 2020, I hosted a three-day live workshop for wedding pros who are ready to grow their businesses fast. I created a curriculum based on the foundations of a solid sales process and sprinkled in a few advanced techniques like selling different buyer types. The results from our attendees were nothing short of astounding, even during the pandemic. But that's what hit right after our second workshop. And since then, I've been waiting for the opportunity to do this in-person workshop again. But last month when Omicron hit, I realized we might be waiting for a long time. So I decided to create this four-week immersive instead, something we can do virtually. Now, last year, we came out with our blueprint to book more. We had hundreds of wedding pros take the signature course, and they filled their calendars. It worked. But now that the calendar is full, it's time to get more from every date that you book. I'm really excited to share these advanced approaches with everyone in my new program. We're calling it Catapult Sales. If BTBM created the foundation for your success, this new Level Up program is going to catapult it faster and further than before. I designed it to address everything a wedding pro like you needs to raise your prices with confidence and do it knowing it's going to work. Like I said earlier, enrollment is going to be limited to the first 25 people who sign up, and we're only going to have four days to register, January 17th through 20th, because I want to give everyone the one-on-one attention your business deserves and also take advantage of the current booking season we're about to get into. So tune into our Facebook group, Sell Weddings Like a Pro, for more information, or head over to Instagram, where we'll be sharing more of the details. And DM me if you have questions. I'm here for all of them. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 